When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the latest episode of Land Grant Holy Land In Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, I am joined by Land Grant Holy Land's women's basketball beat writer, Thomas Costello. Thomas, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all of that stuff. Uh, how you doing up there in freezing cold Columbus, Ohio? <laughs> Rub it in. Um, no, I'm doing, I'm doing Okay, I'm glad. Uh, I'll be glad when the holiday stuff is is over, and I'm especially glad that basketball is back after almost a week off. I'm I'm excited to get back into some sort of routine that is not wholly food based. Yeah. <laughs> well, I imagine you've got <laughs> you've got young kids too, so like I imagine that the holidays yeah. are extra stressful with that. Yeah, I have three kids, uh, ranging from a teenager down to an almost five year old. Um, this year has been odd. Uh, usually it's, it's it's always great for the kids. I mean, Christmas morning, they're excited and they open their gifts and they tear through them. And then the youngest one is like, okay, what else? What else you got for me? Um, that, that was all normal this year. We had some other stuff this year that kind of distracted from it. Yeah. Um, just in my own household. I, I, my, my youngest son and our dog had a, a fateful meeting, which um, both of them are fine. Both of them are in good shape right now, but you don't want to spend, you know, Christmas Eve morning at Nationwide Children's Hospital, by the way, which is an amazing hospital. Great yes. people who work there. Um, that kind of threw it all off. So I think that's why we're so looking forward to getting some sort of um, routine back. Yeah, we're starting to look forward to that. In our life. But I mean, the kids loved it. I mean, they loved the, the gifts part and we were able to still see family and everyone's in in good spirits so uh, and i have some days off of my full-time job so it's always nice to kind of unwind and our goal for the rest of the week here is just to um, as low of stress as we possibly can well we are talking on wednesday afternoon the ohio state women's basketball team mm. has a game tonight on wednesday so by the time you hear this they will have already played is it alabama a&m is that who that is or is that the men oh that would be on the men's side they're okay. playing northwestern so from here oh. on out for the women's team it's all big 10 from right. here on out until the uh, until after the Big Ten tournament, unless things go really south um, and they don't make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. But it feels like a pretty good chance they're going to make it at, at this point. Yeah, obviously, I got the two teams uh, that the men's and women's basketball team were playing uh, confused, mainly because this is the week of the college football playoff. So a lot of attention is being paid to football. But <laughs> that is yeah. not the only game that is coming up that will be of importance to Ohio State fans on Saturday, December 31st, before the football team kicks off in the Peach Bowl at 8 p.m. from Atlanta in Big Ten country, Ohio State will be taking on the Michigan Wolverines in what is, Oof. as you have an article coming out uh, on Thursday, depending on when this podcast comes out, it might your article might be up or not, um, about why this is a game that people need to pay attention to, whether or not they normally follow women's basketball or not. I think a lot of people might be surprised to know that of the teams that are playing 
on Saturday for Ohio State. Uh, the football team is not the higher ranked team. The women's basketball team is currently the third <laughs> ranked team in the country and obviously taking on uh, their rival, not in a playoff situation as of yet, although they've had some pretty contentious battles that had major Big Ten implications in recent years. Um, but we wanted to kind of put a little bit of a football spin on women's basketball as we kind of look towards a really exciting day for Buckeye fans for both sports. And what we're going to do here, Thomas, is I've put together like five really important players for the Ohio State football team. And I want to see if you can come up with comps mm. from the women's basketball team. And I le left it to five because that's like a starting five. Your responses don't need to be the starters by any means because obviously there's like 22 plus starters for the football team. There's only five for the women's basketball. So they don't have to be starters. But I want to see if there's anybody, if, if Buckeye fans are like, oh, I really like this player. I wonder who I can root for on the women's team um, and see where mm -hmm. we can go with from that. Does that make sense to you? That makes total sense, and I have to throw it out here now. I'm going to learn a lot about the football <laughs> team, which is great. Um, it, it's not I'm not against the football team. I do have experience with one of these names, which will not be the nicest experience I've had this year <laughs> watching them play. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I do have to preface that sports fandom-wise, I did graduate from Penn State. So yeah. I have not watched as much Ohio State football. And if you turn it off at this point, I'm sorry. I swear, keep listening. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm excited to learn as I am to share. Okay. Because once um, uh, I, the personalities and the different talents on the women's basketball team, I think it will parallel nicely with the football team. Um, and I think there's a lot to root for. There are a lot of players to root for on this women's basketball team. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go through it. it. It makes total sense. So let's kind of dive into it. All right. Well, I, I, I don't feel like I'm talking out of, out of school here when I say that I don't think that there's anyone better covering a high school women's basketball than you. You are the most dedicated person covering this team oh, across all outlets. Um, and we are very lucky to have you here. So I think if there's anybody who's going to provide insight into this team, it's going to be you. So let's start with somebody who has become a fan favorite over the last year, really dating back to the Rose Bowl at the beginning of 2022. And that is Tommy Eichenberg. He is a starting linebacker for Ohio State. A lot of times he was underestimated by a lot of people. They thought he was kind of like just a tough Borland 2.0, which I know that you might not understand what that means, but that's not necessarily a good comparison from an Ohio State football fan standpoint. But through talent, a lot of grit, um, a lot of just hard-headed, you know, willingness to do whatever he has to do. He has become um, not only, you know, one of the leaders on defense in terms of on the field, but he's also become an indispensable leader for the team as a whole. So Tommy Eichenberg didn't have a whole lot of expectations. People were kind of down on him early in his career, but he's proven that he's really, really important. Who might somebody on the women's basketball team be that can be a good comp for Tommy this season? Well, the the... the Starting off with um, somebody who you mentioned throughout the description of Tommy there, that somebody who kind of is gritty, who will do anything for the team, that describes Ricky Harris. She is currently, feel like going forward, is going to be the starting guard for Ohio State due to injury issues. Right now, for folks who have not been watching or reading or paying attention to the team, uh, the Buckeyes' number three team in the country is down to their third starting point guard. Because J.C. Sheldon from Dublin, Ohio, and then Madison Green from Pickerington, Ohio, they were both injured this year. Where J.C. Sheldon, she was walking around on a boot. Now she's wearing crutches. She's been changed from day to day to week to week. So 
time will tell. It's kind of secretive. I know that's been the conversation around oh, yeah. the football team is the secrets around injuries. Uh, head coach Kevin McGuff, I've asked him multiple times, and it never gets more specific than lower leg injury week to week. Uh, so she was leading the team in steals. She was amazing for Ohio State. She was one of two players last season who was voted first team All Big Ten unanimous selection. Her and Caitlin Clark, who is one of the top two basketball players in the country. So that's kind of the the company that J.C. Sheldon keeps. So she's out. Madison Green, she was out all last season with an injury, with a knee injury. She just injured herself last week at the end of a really entertaining game against the USF Bulls. It was an overtime game. In the fourth quarter, she went down, which what looks like from responses from teammates and just how she reacted yeah. to it, it looks like she's going to be out for a while. There's no definitive word yet. Probably going to hear more tonight after that Northwestern game. But Ricky Harris is the name who, within 24 hours, last week Ohio State was at the San Diego Invitational. One of those, I use air quotes, you can't see them on an audio podcast, <laughs> one of these tournaments within the within the season that really doesn't amount to much you're not going to see a san diego invitational trophy in the trophy room i don't think um, but it's one of those in-season tournaments where four teams are there whoever wins the first game faces the winner of the other game within 24 hours ricky harris went from not playing point guard since high school she's a redshirt junior to starting point guard for ohio state getting eight assists in the game and all of those came in the first half on their way to a route over the Oregon Ducks, beating them 84 to 67. Ricky Harris is somebody, is her third season playing. Her first year when she came here from Indianapolis, she's an Indiana player, Indiana kid. So, you know, they love, they love their basketball. She came in as a four-star recruit, but tore her ACL and was out the entire first year. So she hadn't been able to really play until the 2021 season when Ohio State, unfortunately, had their self-imposed sanctions, no postseason basketball. But she didn't play very much. Under 200 minutes, she played in her first season. Last year, she was probably the seventh, yeah, seventh, eighth player off the bench last year. But as players got injured, she moved into a starting role and started the last 19 games for Ohio State. She ended up moving into kind of the third guard in Kevin McGuff's system. So that's a lot of defense, a lot of running around in the press, but also some offensive uh, expectations within that role. And then this year, she went back to the bench, where right now in the transfer portal type world, when you have players who are going from starting to the bench, that can kind of turn into, okay, what's are they going to try to leave? Are they going to try to go somewhere for playing time? Especially after you get the taste of starting, going all the way to the Sweet 16. Ricky Harris did the opposite of what you'd expect from a player. She's a leader on the team. She's like, no matter what I need to do, I'll do it for Ohio State, whether that's now she's the sixth player on the team. She comes off the bench first. Whenever the team needs experience, she's coming in. And like I said, within 24 hours, she was able to adapt to the point guard position and help Ohio State beat the number 16 team in the country. So Ricky Harris is going to be somebody, maybe J.C. Sheldon returns from injury soon. Maybe even Madison Green, we don't know. Maybe it was not as bad as we thought. Even then, Ricky Harris will be able to shift from starting to the bench pretty seamlessly. And also defensively, she's fantastic. Uh, earlier this year, going down to Louisville in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, she uh, she was sick. <laughs> she ended up having a really bad cold. And going into the game, she didn't know if she was going to play at all. 
she thought her minutes were going to be pretty cut just because of how she was feeling. Ohio State went down uh, in the second quarter. In the second quarter, they were down pretty big to Louisville, where Louisville had a comfortable lead. Ricky Harris not only played, but she played 26 minutes of the game, and she got 10 rebounds and six assists. And she couldn't breathe after the game. Um, So she is somebody who, from the sounds of it, is that kind of grittier player do anything for the team that I I think a lot of fans gravitate towards. That's great. I uh, have always kind of followed Madison Green's uh, career because she graduated from my alma mater, what is now Pickerington Central. It was just Pickerington High School when I went there because there was only one of them because I'm really old. But um, I'm really sorry to see that she, uh, you know, we don't want to speculate, but the responses that her teammates had on the floor did not make it look very good, Uh, but hopefully she can turn it around. But in the meantime, it is good to know that Ricky Harris has kind of stepped in there to kind of lead the team from the point guard position, even if that's not her natural spot. So let's move on to somebody who is quite different from Tommy Eichenberg, probably could not be much more different. And that is Marvin Harrison Jr. He came in with sky high expectations, obviously the, the son and the junior version of an NFL Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever do it. He came in with really high expectations, partially because of his name, also because of his recruiting ranking, although I will say he was not the highest rated uh, wide receiver recruit in his class. But despite those expectations, despite the pressure that comes along with his famous name, he has seemingly exceeded them in his first two seasons this year, possibly becoming one of the best wide receivers in the country, if not the best wide receiver in the country. I know there has been some pretty good gets in terms of coach McGuff's recruiting. Is there anybody who came in with expectations that were similar to Marvin Harrison juniors and has yet still exceeded them on the women's team this year? I think when you look for the top recruits in the country, I would say, unfortunately, it's still kind of siphoned towards your UConn's your number one rankings, your number two rankings, but Ohio state has still had some impressive gets over the last few years. One of them I'll use for, the Marvin Harrison Jr. comparison is somebody right down, uh, right down 70 in Dayton there is Cody McMahon. Cody McMahon's a freshman on Ohio State. She came in uh, technically a wing. She's playing forward, but she's kind of one of those flex players in college basketball now. There's not really traditional right forwards and guards. They're playing everything. Cody McMahon is somebody who can play everything. She came in as the fourth rank, though, in her position, 23rd rank overall in the 2022 ESPN recruiting class over the summer, she played in the youth uh, team USA FIBA Americas tournament where she started for the United States and played alongside some of those top recruits in the country. And she kind of showed up and in the championship game, she outscored her opponents. And that's who we, that's who Ohio state got coming into the team this year as a freshman. And to start the year, Cody, it was excited because, you know, you're coming into the NCAA. She admits that she kind of started playing basketball late. So she, this is still relatively new to her compared to some other kids who were probably playing, you know, five, six. They're getting in there as young as they can. And also your first game of the year is against the Tennessee Volunteers. So Cody was kind of forcing stuff early on, really trying to push to the basket and try to make all those home run plays because she's freshman. It sounds like Marvin Harrison, he he's made a lot of home run plays himself. So I, I think Cody's kind of earlier in the in the life of Harrison, but already 
she showed great aptitude to learn and to slow the game down. And she started the year, like I said, a little inconsistent. Once Ohio State played teams like Louisville, or if they played like their first Big Ten game, it was kind of tough against Rutgers. It was a closer one than they expected. Um, Cody McMahon's kind of had to go to the bench because they needed experience over what Cody McMahon brought to the table, which was a lot of intensity, always going towards the basket, but not always making the best decisions at the final moment. That turned into now somebody who is a back-to-back-to-back, actually just received one yesterday, Big Ten Freshman of the Week. She Her scoring has gotten big against the Bulls last week. She scored 30 points. That's her NCAA freshman season high, and it's something that she keeps building on every week now. It seems like she's breaking her own records. She's starting to pass more. She's starting to make better decisions with the ball. Uh, yeah, she's gone from grabbing two on the rebounding side of things because Ohio State, Coach McGuffey, he seems to sacrifice rebounds for steals for turning the ball over they do a really energetic full court press but rebounding is usually the thing that falls by the wayside she's starting to average seven rebounds a game over the last four and that was before then not even hitting you know five rebounds in a game for her first nine games this season she started the year for ohio state in the starting five and she hasn't lost it she's getting better and better as the weeks go on and the more she plays, the more she's integrated into the system. I feel like she's going to be somebody who is leading Ohio state um, and being the star of the team, kind of like uh, John tell lavender or a Kelsey Mitchell names from Ohio state's program who are now in the WNBA and have played for team USA. I think she could be up there uh, with some of those Ohio state greats. And it's nice you mentioned that she's from the Dayton area. She actually went to Centerville High School, which is the home of a number of former Ohio State football players, and uh, Kirk Herbstreet, A.J. Hawk, Mike Nugent, Michael Bennett. So a good pipeline there for multiple sports uh, for the Buckeyes. Also, uh, former the late great poker icon Chip Reese also was a Centerville uh, graduate as well. So, uh, all right, let's move on. Um, I, we've talked about the fact that there's been a lot of injuries at the point guard position this year. So it, this this doesn't have to be a point guard. You've obviously, uh, obviously already mentioned Ricky Harris. So I, I know that the quarterback to point guard comparisons are uh, pretty normal in basketball to football connections. But C.J. Stroud, obviously incredibly talented, uh, is, is a leader on the floor, but he's not exactly the boisterous leader on the field, he's he's kind of a little bit more reserved, not hyper emotional. He's cool, he's calm. Sometimes, maybe a little bit aloof and frustrated at times when things don't go well. But for the most part, he's somebody who leads by just being good. And maybe there's some stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't see. But when it comes to his on-field demeanor, uh, much more reserved, yet is still kind of the straw that stirs the drink for the Buckeyes on the football field. Is there somebody like that, at least in part? On the women's basketball side? Yeah, there's one name um, who you talked about. You're an alum of Madison Greens High School. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor Mikesell, she went to Jackson High School. The Mighty Polar Bears, I also ah, went to Jackson. I, after a game last season, I asked, uh, I, I told her that oh, I went to Jackson too. And she asked when I graduated. That was not a question that oh. I answered. <laughs> um, I just said, um, much further back than you. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Taylor Mikesell, she is a Northeast Ohioan. She went from 
being one of the best players, um, re- really one of the best players in the in the state. She went to Maryland. She played Maryland a couple seasons, was a highly regarded freshman, but then went out to Oregon for one year. She came back to Ohio last season, joining Ohio State after a pretty tumultuous year at Oregon. We don't know any details, <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you that the Ohio State, her teammates were very excited to play Oregon and they Cody especially said they wanted to play Oregon because of Taylor Mike cell and they wanted to win the game for her so that you can read between the lines with that one. But the thing that comes out the most about Taylor Mike cell is that calming perspective is that kind of cool and collected personality. Um, CJ Stroud, he gets a lot of attention, right? The quarterback, like, like you said, the quarterback gets, all the attention really when things are going well, when things aren't going well, but you have to keep that kind of even keel about yourself. Taylor Mike Sill is that for Ohio state. She plays a shooting guard position. Uh, she is known for shooting three, shooting a lot of them and shooting them fairly well. Last season, she led the NCAA for a good bit of time um, hitting 50% of her three pointers at one point. And that was late in the season. That wasn't like, oh, the second week she's hitting 50%. That was like February. She was hitting 50% of her threes. Uh, But last year and then even this year a little bit, there are moments where she's going cold and she's having a tough game. Or Ohio State last season, they haven't lost this season yet. Last season, they lose a tough game and you talk to her after. Taylor is somebody who never seems upset about the loss who never seems rattled by a tough performance. Um, she said multiple times on maybe more difficult shooting nights is I'm, I'm just going to keep shooting because I know, I know that that's what I can do and not being deterred by maybe uh, a, a bad shot or, you know, an, an, an errant shot or an errant pass or something like that. Like CJ Stroud, if he misses a receiver, he can't, be upset and be bummed out and not want to throw the ball anymore. You have to keep playing the game. And I think that's Taylor Mike sell in a nutshell after they beat the Oregon ducks after the game, she, the most emotion you could see responding is, you know, she said, I wouldn't be lying if I didn't say that I circled this one at the beginning of the season playing against her former team, but that's about as much emotion as you get from her off the court on the court though. Um, she's, she's a consummate teammate. She's a leader on the team. She's a graduate senior. She's somebody who's pushing towards playing professionally, whether that be in the WNBA or, uh, Europe or wherever she decides to go after this. But, um, Taylor Mikesell is that, is that kind of quarterback for Ohio state. She's, you know, throwing (laughs) the long bombs. She's getting the offense is going through her and this season too. Uh, she's playing a lot more, I would say team basketball the ohio state is really gelling this year last year they had three players lead the team in scoring in all of their 32 games 13 games into this season five different players have led the team in scoring six players are averaging double digits and a lot of that is because taylor is not only shooting but she's finding her teammates uh she's not somebody unless you know dire straight she has to move into a point guard role that's not her game but she still does everything that you want on the court and um gets the attention because of how well she plays similar to Stroud. 
Uh, all right, two more here. Let's go with another highly heralded prospect who came in with lots of fanfare. Not the famous name necessarily that Marvin Harrison Jr. had, but we're talking about JT Tui Malowal, who came in as, I think, the highest rated defensive player in Ohio State recruiting history, dating back to when recruiting rankings first became a thing at the turn of the century. Um, he has all of the athleticism in the world. He is not necessarily broken through to be like, a superstar yet, but he's shown enough flashes, especially a game that I think you mentioned earlier um, that kind of reminded everybody about just what the future might hold and just how special he can be. Is there somebody who's on the cusp of breaking out for the women's basketball team that might have some comps to, uh, to JT at this point? I will say the one difference between the person I'm going to mention and JT is that in terms of highly recruited not really, um, but the athleticism part—it's—it's it's a surefire match, and that's uh, Taylor Theory. Taylor Theory played up in Cleveland, Ohio. She played uh, Division Three high school basketball. She came into Ohio State last year, kind of under the radar. Again, she wasn't a highly heralded pick or anything like that in the recruiting class. She wasn't even really playing many minutes to start the season. She was playing kind of. I guess you'd say garbage minutes just to um, give players a rest or right at the end of the half or something like that. I will say, I will say, I mean, that's not dissimilar. JT is also a second year player. Didn't play a ton uh, last year, but it's kind of started to get a little bit more time here. And, and, and Taylor was the player of the year as a senior. So it's not like she came in with no accolades, uh, maybe not as highly regarded as JT, but certainly no slouch at all. No, oh, oh, definitely not. Um, and in terms of athleticism, yeah, she she was OHSAA. She was you know first team in the state too. So in the Division three, she was she was good. She was good. But I think in NCAA women's basketball recruiting, it's usually those Division one players that are grabbing the most attention. And I think just playing at a smaller high school like Taylor did, that's a, yeah. I think that's why I kept her a little bit under the radar. Um, but I, I, I totally agree with you. And her athleticism piece, though, her dad is a former NFL player, John Theory. He played for the Browns amongst other teams. Her mom was a college volleyball player. Uh, Taylor Theory is the most athletic person in the arena every game. And that's not just me saying, but that's Coach McGuff saying it. He says multiple times, that Taylor is doing stuff on the court that nobody else can do. She's five foot eleven. Um, she led Ohio State last year in blocks after really only playing half the season. Um, second half of the year last year, she became that seventh player off the bench. Where Ohio State has six player in Tanea Beecham, but Taylor Theory was coming in early in the first quarter whenever Ohio State needed energy, but the offensive scoring wasn't there. This season, as a sophomore, she started the year in the starting five, and she hasn't relinquished it yet. Uh, she is kind of showing what we, you saw with JT, specifically that one game that I saw and regret, uh, the Penn State game. But Taylor's doing that this season. She went from somebody who wasn't scoring any points last year. She scored 2.9 points a game. Uh, in the 30 games that she actually appeared in this season, she's already almost hit her minutes uh, from whole all of last year. She started all 13 games for Ohio state, her scoring. She's averaging almost 13 points a game after averaging 2.9 last season. She's somebody who's kind of shy 
Uh, I don't know much about JT and his persona, you know, off the field, but Taylor is somebody who's more shy, more reserved, doesn't really like doing a post-game interview. Last year in her first game, she answered one question and then she walked away like she was done. And we're like, no, we're not, we're not done quite yet. Um, but that's just kind of that she was a freshman. You didn't know anything about that kind of stuff. And now this year, every part of her is being more confident. She's starting to score more points for Ohio State. She broke her her own career best in her second year, granted, but of 23 points against the Bulls and then had 14 against Oregon. Ohio State's been a team that's had, you know, one person really step up in a game and they kind of take turns stepping up. Taylor Theory's been the most consistent player for Ohio State across the board. And I think as time goes on, that confidence is going to grow. And her and McMahon especially, uh, there's some worries, you know, with J.C. Sheldon almost done with her college career and Taylor Mikesell is almost done, what the team's going to have after that. And Theory and McMahon are showing that Ohio State could be uh, a really good team for years to come. Nice. I like that. Uh, all right. One more. Let's wrap this up with a um, a player who maybe a little bit more like theory even came into Ohio state almost as an afterthought was not necessarily considered one of the big recruits in the class was also kind of just a lower rated guy, but it, almost as soon as he got on the field for the very first time, Mayan Williams became not only a fan favorite, but somebody who legitimately contributed every time he touched the ball. He's also kind of redefined what his body looks like. He came in with the meat, with the nickname of meatball. And I'm not exactly sure he liked that nickname, but he now prefers to be called chop, but he just looks so much different physically. Um, but he's really worked himself into a position to be an integral part of the team's success right now. As we're recording, he has missed the last couple of days of practice down at Atlanta because he's sick after dealing with injuries for a large part of the season, hopefully knocking on wood that he will be able to go on, on Saturday and be as close to 100% as possible because I think his presence in the backfield for Ohio State will make major differences if he's able to go. But is there somebody like him who came in kind of as like an add-on in the class, maybe one of the lower-rated people in a certain class, and is yet through work and kind of maybe a diamond in the rough talent has turned themselves into somebody who really kind of uh, is invaluable to what Ohio state does on the court. Yeah. The name that I'm uh, picking is Rebecca Mikulashikova. She's uh, first a really fun name to say. I'm and glad if you, you said it games... because yeah, because I wouldn't know how to pronounce <laughs> it. There's so many different umlauts and accent markers. I wasn't sure. Yeah, and if you listen to the professionals on the commentary teams, um, they don't know they're not sure how to pronounce it either. But it's Rebecca Mikulashikova. She is from Slovakia. She came into an Ohio State team that had some already star forwards like Dorka Juhas, who's currently at UConn, Aliyah Patty, who transferred to Texas AM, but she was not playing a lot of minutes. She didn't come into the team as, you know, okay, we got this, you know, European talent who's going to come in and play. Every time I think of European basketball, I think of Dirk Nowitzki, right? You're going to have somebody who's going to be able to control a game like that. She wasn't. She wasn't playing a lot of minutes. In 2020 to 21, she played less than 200 minutes, actually. Played in 15 games, didn't start any of them. After that season, though, both of those forwards I mentioned before, they transferred out. That was also the last you know, season that Ohio State had that playoff ban that they self-imposed. But last season, she played all 32 games. But 
she was kind of inconsistent. She was having some games where she would score in the teens and then other games where she was missing her layups under the basket. She was scoring in a few games, zero points, or she was hitting barely hitting any points throughout, you know, game in game out this season. She came back and conditioning was her focus in the off season. She knew that she was going to come in as the starting forward. Although I kind of thought, and other people in the media, when we talk about it, we kind of thought maybe her job is, up for somebody else to potentially take. They brought in Ebony Walker, who's been a really good team piece, but she played for Syracuse. Uh, She's a forward who was uh, highly regarded coming out of high school. But Mikola Shikova came back this year. She she said, you know, I lost weight. I grew my uh, confidence. And also part of that was growing the conditioning. She only averaged 20 minutes last year. This year, she's averaging 28 minutes. She's playing a lot more than she did. Even though she started every game last year, she came off pretty quickly in a lot of those games. I'd say in the first few minutes and not just for foul trouble, but it was just necessity to bring somebody else in for. And this year now, everything else is starting starting to click. Uh, she's She's scoring in bunches. She's averaging 16 points a game. Last year as a starter, only averaged about nine uh, per game. This year, she has led the team in a lot of games where Ohio State looked like they were going to lose. Uh, against against Rutgers, actually, she, she scored 31 points. That was a game where her and Taylor Mikesell actually scored 61 of their 82 mm. points. <laughs> it was not a great offensive output game that uh, that day. But Rek Mikulakshikova has really come in and said, you know, this is my starting position, and she's played like it. I think the confidence piece too, I want to rest on that because it's, it's been shared by her teammates that mentally it was tough for her last year because of those inconsistent performances. She hadn't started really in college and now she was thrust into this starting position this year. She started to show that bend where you can have a bad game, but then you can come back and you can perform last week in San Diego was a perfect representation of that she only scored two points against south florida she was missing some layups she ended up fouling out late into the game but then the next night she was able to shake it off and she scored 27 so i I think as the the stretch hits and they start to get closer and closer to march madness that confidence is only going to grow as she's able to continue these performances and really turn into somebody that um, you expect to see in the lineup and somebody really defenses have to take care of because she can also shoot a three. She's a six foot three uh, big, but she can shoot from outside the arc and that really messes up defenses. Uh, McGuff plays this kind of five in offense where everyone's standing out on the perimeter and then they can shift around and they can make plays from there. So she brings those big forwards and those centers out closer, you know, to the three point line, giving other players like McMahon, or theory, or even like a Taylor Mike, so the ability to run into the to the paint and maybe hit a layup, hit a mid range shot, and it when Rebecca's hitting her shots, it just makes Ohio State even even more dangerous. Well, hopefully, all of those players uh, lead to the first of two major victories for Ohio State on Saturday yeah. as they take on the Michigan Wolverines at one p.m. Eastern time, and then Ohio State football will take on the Georgia Bulldogs in the Peach Bowl college football playoff semifinal at 8 p.m. Um, it's been interesting. There's been a lot of times, especially in recent years, I think like when Ohio State 
played Wisconsin in the Big Ten football championship game, like they've just kind of coincidentally also been playing Wisconsin in a men's basketball game on that day as well in the weird mm-hmm. early season Big Ten game. So this feels like it's not the exact same, although Ohio State very easily could have been playing Michigan in the semifinals. Um, but it feels like a great way to have some momentum for Buckeye fans leading up to this playoff game uh, at 8 p.m. on Fox. So, uh, Thomas, thank you for running through all of this stuff. As I said, there is nobody better and more comprehensive in covering Ohio State women's basketball than you. If people want to follow you on Twitter, uh, if they are on still still on that hellscape of a site, where <laughs> can they do that? Yeah, I'm uh, still on there at uh, one Thomas Costello, the number one, and then my name, T-H-O-M-A-S-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O. So I am on there. I'm still tweeting with guilt, um, but that's okay. Uh, also, if you go to the game or if you watch the game, it's on Big Ten Network. It's at 1 p.m. Eastern time, so you won't even miss the other college football playoff right. game. So that's that's, that's a deal. And Ohio yeah. State uh, women's basketball, like the football team, has lost to Michigan uh, twice in a row, actually three times for the women's basketball team. But um, it really looks like this year – things are a little bit different and it's a ranked versus ranked matchup. It's not, you know, two versus three or whatever we had here a few weeks ago, but it's still two really good programs from arguably the strongest conference in this, in the country this year um, coming together to play here in Columbus. So I think it's going to be exciting for, you know, people at the Cavelli Center, or I was say, it's not at, it's, at not, it's not at Value City, which I think I was going to mention. That's that's no. really important. Number fourteen, Michigan. Number three, Ohio State at the Cavelli Center. I wish that they played more games for both the men and the women at Cavelli. Mm-hmm. Like when they did it during the COVID year, a little bit more. That was just such a cool place to like watch. And I'm I'm watching on TV, but it was a cool place. Obviously, they they don't really seem to be doing games at St. John Arena anymore. But that was yeah. always fun too. St. John and Cavelli just kind of give more of an intimate. Uh, intimate environment that you just don't get at the shot. The shot is a cavernous concert venue. Uh, so having the opportunity to see a big, important game broadcast from Cavelli will be uh, a really fun thing to kick off our Saturdays. So Thomas, you will be there. I went there for monster jam. I just, I went to Sean for monster <laughs> jam. Come on. Like we're playing college basketball in the same arena as Gravedigger, come on, that just doesn't make any it's sense. Not, no, but. it's horrible. It's just, it's just bad. But I guess it pays for a lot of other stuff, so you can't be too mad. It's true. But all right, everybody, enjoy all of your sports and Ohio State watching on Saturday. You can follow me on Twitter at bwwmatt. You can follow the site at landgrant33. Thomas, thanks for joining us. I know you're also appearing on the Bucketheads podcast this week, which might Mm. have already come out. I'm not sure what the sequence of these podcasts will be this week, but um, you're doing that and you will have um, the uncut press conference audio in the feeds as well. So we appreciate all you do. Everybody have a wonderful rest of your week. Enjoy Saturday. Hopefully we'll have multiple Buckeye wins to celebrate and talk about here on Land Grant Holy Land. Have a great day. And as always, go Bucks.